This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. It's important to have the end game in mind. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And that's, I'm, I'm looking to raise adults. Like, they're young, and these behaviors won't translate into adulthood. And it's not just my kids, like it's all my relationships. So it's my marriage, my friendships. It's a pretty phenomenal movement and the future is emotionally intelligent and I, I see it manifesting. Why it sucks that I'm in my 30s and just now learning this. I'm glad I'm learning it at 30 and not at 50 or 60 or 80. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Welcome to our new limited series, Respectful Parenting in Real Life. I get to hang out with some folks and dive into what this work looks like outside of scrolling through Instagram or that picture perfect snapshot of respectful parenting. What does it look like when you drop the ball, when it's messy, when we're imperfect humans, or when our kids don't respond perfectly as we planned? Buckle up for some real stories from real humans, and I hope that you get to see glimpses of yourself or your kids in these stories to know that you definitely are not alone in this journey. And there's a village of folks walking right alongside you. All right, let's dive in. Hello, today I am here with Arna. Arna is a village member. She's been in our village membership from the jump, from when it first opened. Mm -hmm. And Arna, I'm so excited. I was sharing with you that when I mentioned to you that uh, I was 
meeting or when I mentioned to our team that I was meeting with you this week to have this conversation, the entire team was jealous that I got to hang out with you. You're such a present member in our village membership and really active and engaged. And so we've had this opportunity to get to know you more and to watch your personal work in reparenting and in respectful parenting unfold. And it's been awesome to have a front row seat to that. You've been doing such incredible work. And just as a little background for folks, Arna's a mom to two kiddos, a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, and a one-year-old. So uh, three and one are really the wheelhouses we're looking in today. And we'll talk about how it might show up differently from kid to kid and all that jazz too. But Arna, hi, first of all, welcome. Thank you. It's yeah. good to be here. I'm excited too. I um, I don't know. It feels kind of like a privilege to be recognized by your team because of how transformative everyone on the team has been for me. So it's just good feelings all around. <laughs> good. Well, we very much enjoy you. And I am jazzed to get to hang with you for a bit today. So let's chat first. You know, we talked about how in respectful parenting I think there's often this idea that if you do this perfectly then your kids will stop expressing emotions or even experiencing hard things and it'll just be this glorious peace and calm every day (laughs) and you'll feel good about it every day and everything will go peacefully and we know as we're doing this work day in and day out that that's not the reality nor is it the goal Mm -hmm. and yeah what comes up for you there around like that perfection component Uh, Well, I guess it's a lifelong practice for me to let go of that part of me that is a perfectionist and has these perfectionistic tendencies. Uh, For me, this work, having the kids and showing up for them in an emotionally intelligent way, I, I thought I was doing it for them, but it's actually, it's been for me. And when I say that, I mean that by giving my kids permission to not be perfect, I'm slowly allowing myself to not be perfect. And that's been really healing because I've been carrying this enormous weight of perfectionism and it's really held me back in a lot of areas of my life. So as I learn to just be vulnerable and step into those things that are scary and make me afraid, I'm a better mom and I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's been fun to watch that from the outside. Like I really feel like I've gotten to see that Mm -hmm. in how you show up in the membership, both with, uh, for yourself or in ways that you advocate for yourself and for support Mm -hmm. and advice, but also the ways that you show up for other humans too. It's been really rad. Yeah. I mean, I've always just loved other people and getting to know people it's just always been something I've done my mother fostered that within me and I've run with it and it's really cool to see where people are at and see their struggles and sort of if I've been in that experience offer some guidance solidarity whatever it is but the, the biggest lesson I'm taking now is to let people tell me 
what they need and go with that instead of me assuming my lived experience is the same as theirs and trying to give them advice when what they just need is someone to listen. So that, that's been the biggest work of this last year for me in the village. And it, it's been really great because it's also helping me again, all of this work helps me realize I can advocate for myself and ask for what I need. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I was so conditioned to not know that, that it, it's a practice. And why well, it sucks that I'm in my thirties and just now learning this, I'm glad I'm learning it at 30 and not at 50 or 60 or 80. And I love that we've got kids growing up now that are learning this younger and younger because of what that will mean for the way that we interact in society just moving forward. It, it, it's a pretty phenomenal movement and I'm really excited. I'm, I'm all here for it because the future is emotionally intelligent and I, I see it manifesting and it's coming through the ranks and it's, it's really cool to see. So cool to see. And as you're talking about you developing this toolbox to advocate for yourself and the permission to advocate for Mm -hmm. yourself, um, I'm wondering how that shows up in your parenting in terms of your expectations behavior-wise from your kiddos. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids are kids and I think my kids act like any other kids, which is they're developing, they're learning skills. I have to constantly remember that my daughter is three. She's only had three years to know how to do certain things. And I've had 35, 36 years. And so the biggest thing for me is just to pause and remember that I've got so much more lived experience. Thank you, kiddo. Um, <laughs> one yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is kids will be kids and don't understand boundaries the same way. And it's just a matter of shifting my expectations instead of expecting them to change their behavior. I'm just changing the way that I show up and designing my environment and designing a life to better facilitate what I need from the kids at the time. So I can't expect the kids to not get into scissors. Like they see scissors and they want to cut. So I have to put the scissors somewhere they can't reach them. It's just, I have to be the adult and recognize where my kids are developmentally and just meet them there. Totally. Yeah. I love it. And like, what a rad real life experience right now where your child's coming and advocating for a need that she has in this moment. And is it convenient for you? No. Uh, and also she's learning that she's allowed to advocate for her needs and that you'll show up with her in this moment. And a, one thing that comes up a lot in the respectful parenting community, or even just like critiques of, is how to allow children this space to advocate and build these tools and also to develop pro-social skills, right? Like how to do so in a way that is pro-social, that um, if a kid is expressing a need for space that they can learn to say it instead of hitting someone, right? Like that sort of example. Exactly. And the biggest work for me is I was like, when I started this, I was just saying no. And I've had to shift to a, yes mindset so instead of saying don't do something 
I have to find the way to do it instead. And so that's been a, a practice of we don't hit, but we can stroke gently. We don't yell, but we can use these words. So what we're working on at the moment is interrupting. So instead of screaming mom from across the house, which happens a lot, uh, our expectation is come up, touch me and say, excuse me, mom. And then I will recognize that and I'll talk to you. And it, it doesn't take just one time. It takes <laughs> 50, 100 times before we actually start getting these skills. And it can be really disheartening in the beginning because it takes so much repetition. But after seeing it and working through it and actually getting results now where I'm starting to see pro-social behaviors from the kids, I realized, oh my goodness, it is just a lot of work. It is not easy. And it is, it, it's just hard. It's so hard to show up consistently. And I don't always show up consistently, but it's because it takes so much effort to, to recognize that the kids just don't have the skills that I have. Totally. Well, and I think one thing there that's huge is recognizing that you're going to front load, right? Like you're going to pour in this work and this time and this energy, and then you will see results slowly and surely you'll see results. And it's not necessarily going to be that all of a sudden your kid comes up and says, excuse me, mom, in a regulated tone and whatnot, you're going to see little bits and pieces of results. And then one day you will see her come up and say, excuse me, mom. But up until that point, you'll see these other little mini wins. And I think one thing that is really cool in the village and, and that I've watched happen and unfold there is learning to celebrate those little wins where somebody will share a scenario that if, if think if on the outside, someone might read it and be like, wow, that feels really overwhelming and stressful. And we read it and we're like, yes, that's huge progress, <laughs> right? Like exactly counting those little wins along the way, I think is huge. And I also, there have been times where like with Seiji where I've said to my husband or to my therapist, like if I could just get a snapshot of like in a year, this is what it's going to look like. Or in two years, this is going to, what it's going to look like. Then the present day me is like, okay, this is worth it. I'll keep pouring into this. And we don't have that, right? We don't get to like look ahead. And I have the, I have the privilege of having done this work with so many children that I've seen that, right? I've seen it unfold with other people's kids that it's helpful for me now as CG, but I totally recognize how disheartening it is at the beginning when you're like, I'm pouring in all this effort and will it ever change? Yeah. And you actually bring up something really important, which is it's important to have the end game in mind. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing and that's I'm I'm looking to raise adults like and what do I want my kids to believe and think at the end of our time living under the same roof and it's hard to take that step back when I like I, when I'm in the thick of it like I'm home all the time we're just I'm at home with the kids as a stay-at-home mom right now and that's a level of chaos that I didn't understand what I was signing up for. And it's hard to remember that 
the kids, like they're young and these behaviors won't translate into adulthood. And I'm out of my depth with three and one-year-olds. I haven't spent a lot of time with little children like this. And because of that, I just, it feels uncomfortable and I doubt myself all the time. And that's why the village is super helpful because while it is an echo chamber of sorts, it's a really, it's a positive reinforcement, a reminder and solidarity that we're all doing this. And there are parents that are ahead of me in the parenting game that I can look forward to, to see how they're translated into into their skills of kids and so yeah it, it's super cool just to see um how these kids are growing up because I wasn't raised around emotionally intelligent children and I I haven't had that much exposure to it and so it, it's hard to trust that I'm doing the right thing sometimes I, I do have a lot of doubt and a lot of fear um, because it is hard and when it feels hard it feels like it's the wrong decision mm-hmm. you know Oh, I totally know. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And our brain's designed to say like, this is hard and uncomfortable, run away from it, go back to what's cozy and comfortable, even if it's not something we want to repeat, like the discomfort. Yeah. And the fear of like, what will this look like? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I wanna show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Can you paint a picture for me of 
what, how, maybe a scenario of like how this shows up in your day-to-day realistically, like where it's real and raw and imperfect. Oh, everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's not just my kids, like it's all my relationships. So it's my marriage, my friendships. It's, I, I do do some work outside the house. It, it comes up there too. It's just, it's human relationships. But with the kids, it's like, my kids are messy and I, I shouldn't say that. My kids like to make mess. <laughs> like to pull things out of boxes. They, this morning we had food dye all over the kitchen. They, they squawk, they, they bicker and ne- like they're negotiating boundaries, but they don't have the language yet for it. So, I mean, this, it comes up every day, almost all the time. It's just, it's a full-time job times three, but like, I, I can't actually separate where it doesn't come up because <laughs> like, it's just, it's constant. Like I'm, you know, I think the hardest season of my parenting journey for me, just because it requires so much supervision for the kids and because I don't get as much time to reflect, I, I'm not always showing up in the way that I want. And sometimes I do snap and I just, I, I can't, I'm like, I get dysregulated and I can't access language. It gives me a boatload of empathy for what the kids are going through <laughs> because I'm just, sometimes my brain shuts down and I start squawking at the kids mm-hmm. instead of actually using words. So it's, I'm just as imperfect as they are. And I'm building the same skills alongside them at times. But because of that, the, like I said, the empathy I have for the two is just growing because as they push my buttons, they, they're also showing me where I can shop for myself a little more. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that mindfulness of like, oh, they, I'm imperfect and I lose my cool and I get dysregulated and they're allowed to as well. This idea, we call them tiny humans in the village, um, or, or I refer to them as tiny humans because I want to continue to come back to their humans, right? Like we cannot expect them to not be tired, not be cranky, not have a hard day, not feel disappointed or embarrassed and not really know what to do with that. Yeah. And the, just what I really appreciate about having the girls right now is they're just so comfortable to express themselves that I really get a glimpse into what's going on in their world in a way that I didn't expect. Mm. And like you taught me this, Alyssa, which is that babies are phenomenal communicators. And having that framework, having the second child, I was able to really get to know my, my baby in a way that I didn't expect because I just had that framing of she's a communicator. And because of that, it, it was really beautiful to to sort of be her mum in those those first twelve months, knowing that everything she had to say was valid, and it wasn't that she was trying to inconvenience me. She was trying to get her needs met, and it was it was freaking awesome. Really, <laughs> I, I I can't say it any other way. I'm just so grateful to have had that framing and get to know my kids with that because yeah, we, we are close and we are bonded and it, it's great. I, she's yeah. like, she's a rad, like they, both my kids are just 
wild, rad, awesome kids. I, I really <laughs> love everything about them. And I, I know every mom hopefully feels the same way because kids, are, they're just they're great. Totally. And they're annoying and they're gross and they can be messy and they can oh. be inconvenient. And they like yeah. they're all in like that whole package. Just the oh. other day I did something and my husband said something about how he loves how weird I am. And I was like, I, I feel that like that, like, yes, for Sage, right? Like, I love how right. weird you are, or I love your unique weirdness. <laughs> and I also feel annoyed and frustrated and disappointed and overwhelmed and all those things sometimes too. And I guess like, mm-hmm. goal isn't that we don't feel any of these things, us, them, whatever. It's that we are safe to feel them. Right. And so yes. when you say you squawk, you lose your cool, et cetera, what does that repair look like for you? Yeah. Um, so repair for me wasn't something that was modeled growing up and I'm still struggling with repair. I, I feel blocked. Like I, I'm finding I'm slowly but surely learning to sit down with the girls and acknowledge what happened, what my role in it was, and actually repair. But that's a fairly new phenomenon in my life, and I've still got a long way to to go. But like an example was I was getting the, the older child dressed yesterday and we needed to get out of the house. And so I had to put her clothes on for her (laughs) and screaming and kicking and crying, obviously like just, she wanted to do it herself and we we didn't have time. She didn't understand. And so later on, when we got home from where we were at, I sat down with her next to her on the bed and just said, Hey, I don't like the way I showed up in this situation. And I could tell that, you didn't enjoy it either and we talked about it and so I instead of going into assuming what the kids think or feel I've started just asking and how was that for you and I just give them a forum and I've just learned to shut my mouth and listen (laughs) and then at the end say sorry um but yeah repair for me, does not come easy. It doesn't come naturally. I I hate it. I don't enjoy it. Like I see the value in it, but I still fight it every time. And I think that's just going to be my work for a while, honestly. Yeah. It's our village focus for February. So buckle up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, It's, I think that's true for so many of us. I think so many parts come into play with repair of like, Mm -hmm. I know for me, the idea of respect and obedience for the folks in charge of you was really huge for me growing up. Mm -hmm. And so there's a part of me that's like, I don't have to repair. Like, yes, you know, like they're just Mm -hmm. supposed to listen. They're supposed to follow the rules. We had to get out the door. I gave them just this just happened this morning same scenario we're trying to get out into the snow sagey loves playing in his sled and loves being in the snow hates the process of getting the snowsuit on right and I'm like great I'm going to do so many things that are going to be really calming and engaging I'm going to put so much intention into this and then he's screaming and arching his back and throwing and like no matter how many pauses I took and songs I sent he didn't want to get a snowsuit on and he does want to go outside 
and we're going to. And so there was just going to be this part that was the messy middle, right? That we're just in. And when I accepted, like, we're just going to be in this and I'm not going to try and make this fun for you right now or sing my way out of your (laughs) um, or play a game or distract you out of your disappointment of getting your snowsuit on. I'm just going to be in it with you. When I personally accepted that, then my experience of it changed, right? Like I wasn't overwhelmed with it anymore. All of a sudden my heart rate was slowing I had to accept like, this is going to be part of it. And I'm not failing because he's throwing a tantrum as we are getting this snowsuit on. He's telling me, I don't want to get it on. And I'm saying, I hear you, bud. And we're going to put it on to go outside. It's my job to keep you safe. And this is part of that. And that's it, right? Like now he's allowed to feel, but I had to get to the point of accepting that. Um, And then later, once we're in the sled and he's happy as a clam, we're going around. I paused at one point and said, "Woof, getting out the door was really hard, buddy. You really didn't want to get your snowsuit on. I totally get that. It stinks that part of playing in the snow is getting all the gear on and it's not yes. hot. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just acknowledging their perspective. And for me, one mistake, I don't know if it's a mistake, but it was an opportunity for me to grow. When I first started changing the way that I thought about parenting and kids because I I didn't start with this understanding of sensory regulation and and all the stuff that comes with being part of the village I when I first started I I did try to control everything and I I was I did try and reduce meltdowns. I did try and make my kids' life more comfortable thinking that that was my job. But that isn't what my role as a mom is. It's to be the, the boundaried, steady, knowledgeable force in the kids' lives that will guide them in the right direction, but holds them accountable when they don't have the skills to do it yet. Um, and so that that's been a journey too because at the beginning I definitely I was so uncomfortable with putting the kids snowsuits on that I just cancel plans Mm -hmm. and as I've learned to sit the discomfort and experience those feelings myself I'm a stronger more intentional mum because of it Yeah. Oh, it's so key. The learning to sit in the discomfort ourselves, I think is the hardest part of this. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that's not the answer that I wanted. The answer (laughs) I needed, but it's not the answer I wanted. I wanted it to be easier. Like I wanted kids to be obedient and to do what I asked. And I'm starting to see that behavior with the children, but it's because we got uncomfortable first. Like it's the growth comes from the pain and we had like, we have to have those painful moments of just clashing with each other. And from that, we, we grow stronger because we repair and because we talk about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm by no means perfect. And I am by no means the best mom, but I am the best mom for these kids because of the way that I'm approaching it and just showing up like, I, I'm just committed to continually being better now, which 
I love just giving my, myself permission to not get it right, but to try again. And just, that's what repair is. It's a, an opportunity to try again. I love that so much. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you said something in there, this idea that we want them to be obedient and to listen to us and to be able to have that like back and forth. If we say this and they listen and that really the key to that is that messy middle. And I think that so often when we see kids who we say something and they push the boundary or they're expressing their emotion, and it can look like we're being permissive to that behavior. And so then sure. I think like more punishment or positive reinforcement or distraction or really trying to stop the uh, behavior comes into play, which then doesn't allow us to get to that place of, oh, we are having this respectful back and forth. And I was just actually talking to my therapist about this last week that Sage is right now into throwing his spoon when we're eating and <laughs> he would throw it. And I said, but if you throw your spoon when we're eating, then you're going to be all done with it. And we can try again at the next meal. And that's the boundary for us. And so he at nine and a half months looks at me and throws his spoon and yep, exactly. That's exactly it. Looks me in the eye and drops it. <laughs> Oh, like this? Right. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. There's a huge part of me that says he's doing that intentionally just mm -hmm. to tick me off. And he knows the rules because I'm, I'm going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I have that voice in the back of my head because mine does like people can't see us, but eye contact, hand up, 
drop. Like, <laughs> yep. That's exactly it. it. And then uh-huh. he will right now he'll turn and he'll look at the spoon then when it's on the ground and he'll look at me and he'll go, eh. and I'm like, Oh buddy, are you disappointed that your spoon's on the ground? And now we're all done with it. And he will, and he's very much into big expressions. Like I said, getting out the door, arched back full scream. But in these moments, we remain connected and he will express his emotion and he'll get like even more frustrated. And sometimes he'll cry out and I'll let him know like, yeah, it was, I understand that's really frustrating. You want to have that spoon and you want to play a game where you drop it and I pick it up and I'm not playing that game right now. And truly just by like validating that for mm-hmm. him right now goes so far it's not stopping the behavior. He's still dropping the spoon. He will for a little while. And my job is not to make that stop. My job is to let him know that he's allowed to push that boundary. It's not going to change the boundary. And he's allowed to be upset about the boundary being held. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point because again, repair wasn't modeled neither was boundaries in the framework that I'm using them and yeah boundaries like knowing that it's my job to set boundaries and it's the kid's job to push the boundaries actually helps me find humor in the way that my kids (laughs) push the boundaries like my kids like yes oh my gosh Alyssa yesterday uh the older one got into we have flour in the pantry and she mixed up a mixture of flour water and dish soap and spread it all over the kitchen floor and was ice skating which yes it was messy and I could have lost my mind but knowing what she was looking for in just experimenting and moving her body I I I couldn't help but laugh like it was was pretty funny it's creative Um, oh it was so creative and while like don't get me wrong, it is demoralizing as an adult, as a parent, to be responsible for these kids that just come and undo everything <laughs> I do. And I'm really like, I'm struggling a lot with that. And that's something I'm working on within myself because I know that it's not intentional. It's just they're exploring their world. And this is the only world they've got to explore at the moment because of the way the public yeah. health crisis is playing out. And so just finding humor in these moments is helping me see them for what they're, what they're doing, what they are. And, and because I find it funny, like I'm enjoying parenting so much more by letting go of this idea that the house has to be spotless all the time, mm-hmm. letting go of the idea that the kids have to be dressed all the time, letting go <laughs> of the idea that, uh, they have to eat everything I give them, that they have to listen to me because none of that is true. And if I'm really honest with myself, I want to raise, like part of my job is I want to raise kids who grow up into adults that do question things, mm-hmm. that do examine the world around them. And if something isn't just, I want them to have the courage and conviction to say something but that doesn't come without practice. Mm-hmm. And part of that practice is somewhere safe, like here at home, where they are allowed to practice boundary pushing and they are allowed to voice their opinions and they are allowed to have a point of view because I think that's important. And I think the world needs 
people who are regulated and objective and will listen to one another. And we can't listen until we first feel heard. And so if we've got kids that are coming up with the perspective of feeling heard, it's amazing how much more space I can hold for other people knowing that I'm being heard somewhere else as well. And the village has really given me that. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's been amazing because this group of parents and it's not just parents. I know there's nannies and a few other childcare educators that are in there too, but just having that solidarity and feeling heard has really allowed me to find the space to, to hold space for other people in a way that I haven't before. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Like from the bottom of my heart, it's awesome. That's awesome. That's sweet to hear. You know, with the SEP method, one of the things that we found in our research was the adults, the parents and the teachers that were part of the research were experiencing children's expressions differently. It's not so much that there was a huge shift in children's expressions. It was the experience the adult was having. And through that shift in experience, allowed them to be more regulated and then respond to the child's behavior or expression with more intention. And I think that we talk so much about uh, this, like, how do we respond in the moment to get kids to do something differently, to have a different behavior, to express differently, et cetera. But I would love to see this shift in the conversation to how are we supporting adults so that they experience this expression in a way that they can move through it in a regulated state. So we can respond to the child in front of us from a place of regulation is a game changer. Like I said, getting out the door, there've been so many times with kids where I've gone through the day and I'm completely and utterly exhausted because I have taken on all their things as mine to fix and mind to change, whether it's behavior or the way that they're expressing or communicating, like I am trying to fix it. And when I stop trying to fix it and I can experience their expression as communication, then I am so much more resourced, right? Like I am not exhausted and overwhelmed in that same way and can respond to them. And then we do have, like I was saying with Sage at the dinner table, we have this back and forth where he has a hard emotion and expresses it, but we remain connected and I'm not overwhelmed by him throwing the spoon because I'm not trying to stop that anymore, or I'm not trying to stop him from expressing his frustration or disappointment anymore. I'm in it with him. And it's just totally different. Right. It's like a tour guide. But the other thing is giving myself permission that in those moments where I do lose my cool and I do snap, my kids are going to have that out in the real world too. Like it's not going to be safe and calm and regulated all the time. And so it's important that we experience all of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's also helped me a lot. Just understanding that I'm allowed to lose my cool sometimes and come back and repair because other people are going to lose their cool. And I don't, I also, I think that's important to, to see all of those range of emotions, but when I'm regulated and I can shop for the kids, it's great. When I'm not, it's okay. And yeah. Yeah. And that's the imperfect, beautiful part of this. Arna, thank you so much for sharing more about your experience. I think it's so helpful to hear 
what this looks like in real life and right. not on like an Instagram post that you're following right. and feeling like, man, I'm not doing that. Or my kid doesn't respond that way. So there are lots you. of peers and yeah. If, is there any one piece of advice you would leave people with who are on this journey? The single most important thing to me as a human being is connect before I correct. Mm-hmm. So I connect first and I do this with as many people in my life as I can. This is not just a parenting trick, but if I can connect with someone as a human being before I correct them or before I have a difficult conversation, it's great. And so I connect and then correct. I, I like you just can't access the correction without the connection. I agree. And I think even... I'm going to add to that connect before we collaborate, that like we can't even collaborate with children. We can't be in, in community with other adults unless we connect first, unless we feel seen and safe first. I love that, Arna. And you do such a gorgeous job of that over in the membership. It's, it's awesome. Every time I see your name pop up in a post, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Somebody's somebody's going to feel seen and supported in this moment. And I think something you've really embodied is that it's not about the words that you use. It's about truly connecting and saying like, oh, I get where they're, I get where you're coming from. Like, I get what that means. Your words are not scripted and it's, it's, it's very much, you can feel you in it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a huge, powerful part of this in the connection is that you're not operating from a script. No, gosh, no, no, no. You're right. And I I don't want to be around people in my life that are scripted. I love the messy, chaotic aspect of getting to know people. Like it, it's truly a lot of fun to just show up and be yourself and allow yourself to be seen in a way that can be deeply uncomfortable. But when you find people that see you for who you truly are and what you're trying to do and you're accepted, it's so freaking mm-hmm. healing. and it's, it's beautiful. And that's, I think where we're at. Yeah, I think so too. And I think sometimes we think that connection means like saying the like, oh, I see that you're feeling whatever. And sometimes connection is like, man, that sucks. You know, like it is just the real and the raw and you do a beautiful job of that. Arna, thank you so, so, so much. I am so jazzed that I get to keep having these delicious conversations with you over in the village. And I hope that everyone else who's in the village is enjoying you as much as, as much as our whole team is. Oh, thank (laughs) you for being you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to voices of your village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram, hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts.